0: You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. I guess I do need a microphone if I'm going to address you. Uh, <laughs> Good morning, InFocus family. How you doing this morning? Good, good. Oh man, what a powerful time in worship. I hope that you experience the presence of the Holy Spirit the way I did. I hope that you take some time, not just in these moments, but even at home in your car and other spaces to acknowledge God and all of his goodness and all of his faithfulness towards you because he's called us to walk in communion with him. It's not just when we have the band to exhort us or the musicians playing, but we have this ongoing privilege to be in his presence and to experience his goodness. So I'm just so glad to be here with you guys today. As he mentioned, uh, we had an incredible week at the BUILD Conference North America with our Every Nation family. Uh, And it was just such an incredible time of prayer and impartation. And uh, I really believe that God did something significant in those moments that we had together to not just impact us as a national movement, a family of churches, but also to impact the leaders and those who attended and what God will do in this place. So I'm, again, I'm just grateful to be here. Let me, let me pause for prayer and then we are gonna get into the word for today. Uh, if you would, just, I'm going to do something a little different. If you could put your hands out like this as if you're receiving. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is here to do something fresh. The Holy Spirit wants to give us new perspective, new revelation. I believe that some of those songs that we sung this morning were prophetic songs about the future of this church. That what the enemy meant for evil will be turned for good. I actually believe that God is working something by his spirit in this community to see a victory, to come out of this last season more victorious with more purpose and more plans of good for the future. And God, I pray now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit, would you come and do something miraculous in these moments that we have? Would you stir within us, not just a zeal, Lord, but really a sense of depth and purpose for your plans in this city? God, I'm grateful for this time that we have. Your word says that you sanctify us in the truth and your word is truth, so we ask it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 5. If you want to look at the screen or turn there. Matthew chapter 5, we see the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is teaching on the values and the principles of the kingdom. He's, he's stepping in and inaugurating this, this new regime, this new reign, this new sense of of purpose uh, for this people, and he's teaching and giving these principles, and I wanna focus on verse six, but I wanna read verses one through five to you as well. It says, seeing the crowds, verse one, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. One more time. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, as I read that, I can't help but ask the question, are you satisfied? Am I satisfied? If I'm really, really honest with myself, Do I live a life, and do I have an attitude that speaks to me being satisfied? And I don't have a three-point message for you today. I really have a message that orbits around that one question: Are you satisfied? You know, when we look at this passage of Scripture in verse six, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I also can't help but think of those words, hunger and thirst, these deep foundational needs that drive us to different ends. And hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst shows up many, many times in Scripture, but maybe when you hear hunger and thirst, you think about a particular story. And that story appears with the children Of Israel in the wilderness. They sure were hungry and they sure were thirsty. And God had delivered them by his mighty hand from the oppressive place. Of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and they find themselves wandering in the wilderness with severe hunger and thirst. And I thought it might be a good idea to see how they handled their hunger and their thirst. If we look at Exodus 16, we know this story well. you you watched the Prince of Egypt, haven't you? Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. Listen to this. They've been delivered. They've been set free. They're now in the wilderness. Listen to this severe hunger and how they deal with it. Verse 2, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 3, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, or that could also be translated to our satisfaction. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You brought us out here to die, Moses. God had just split the Red Sea. And now the people are grumbling because this severe hunger and saying, Yeah, you really brought us out here to punish us, right? But the thing that's so amazing, and this just does to show you how good our God is. Man, is our God good? Is he faithful? Is he kind? They grumble, they complain, they shake their fist at the heavens. And what does God do? He responds with manna. Good Lord. When we're ungrateful, when we're hard-hearted, When we allow our dissatisfaction to drive us to perilous ends, God always shows Himself good and faithful. Because it's always consistent with His character. So He feeds them, He meets their dissatisfaction, He meets their hunger. Or their perceived immediate need with manna. But here's the question God responds with manna, but are they satisfied? No. Hmm. They were so hungry that they were willing to accuse God and to sum up his purpose in that you came brought us out here for us to die he meets their need and still they're not satisfied Hmm. those that hunger and thirst well let's flip over to exodus 17 let's see what they did with their thirst Let's flip over to Exodus 17. Exodus 17, verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled. Now it's not just grumbling. They are they're they're yelling and arguing. The people quarreled with Mo- Moses and said, listen to this. Give us water to drink. Now listen, I got four kids. If one of my kids walked in the house and said, give me something to drink. I know every parent's blood pressure just went up. (laughs) We have a medic in the building. The presumptuousness (laughs) is staggering. Give me something to drink. Now, and Moses said to them, why do you, why are you yelling at me? (laughs) And why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? The thing that's really mind blowing about this particular text is this is the second time that God has provided water to drink. They found themselves a few chapters earlier in a place where there was bitter water that was undrinkable. And God speaks to Moses, tells him to take the wood, throw it into the water so that it would be purified, that they could take it. He had already shown himself to be faithful. And the people are yelling and quarreling and questioning God's character and saying, give me something to drink. But look how good God is. Oh, look how good he is. He still, he still gave them something to drink. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I wouldn't have treated them like that. Those that hunger and thirst. So God responds with manna and we know they weren't satisfied god responds with water from a rock were they satisfied no no so now now I'm, this is getting confusing now cuz now i'm starting to ask some questions now so my question is so how is it that the children of Israel can still be dissatisfied even though God gave them exactly what they asked for. How is it that they can still be dissatisfied even though God gave them exactly what they asked for? And you know, I can't help but think about myself. You know, I grew up in Detroit. And, man, I thought I'd be so satisfied when I moved from Detroit to Nashville to pursue career in music. Whew, I was excited. Jumped out of my car with my little few pieces of gear, walked into our little place where we're going to live. I'm like, man, wait till they get a load of me. It's red carpet time, let's go. And no moving from Detroit to Nashville was an excellent decision. I quickly found out I wasn't satisfied. Then I got planted in the church, Woo. Man, life changing, you know, getting getting a discipleship community just getting my world rocked growing godly character coming around I'm like next step I got to find me a lady cuz you know he that findeth a wife findeth f Huh? find f a wife find f a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And man, I found Michonne. We'll celebrate 14 years of marriage in December. That was the, probably next to giving my life to Jesus, the best decision I've, I've ever made. I can't, I can't imagine my life without her. But here's the reality. I still wasn't satisfied. And I could go down a list of things that I hungered and thirsted for. If I just had more money, I'd be satisfied. If I just had more affluence, I'd be satisfied. If I just had the role that I really wanted, I'd be more satisfied. If I just had more ministry opportunities, I'd be satisfied. If my house was just a couple thousand square feet bigger, if my car just, (laughs) you see where I'm going with this, I'd be satisfied. But what I see in myself, which is actually what we see in the children of Israel, is that satisfaction doesn't usually come from the places we think it comes from. And what Jesus is trying to teach here is that all hunger and thirst is not created equal. Because he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God's right way of being and doing in the world. That's probably the most simple definition of righteousness. God's right way of being and doing. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, one of the things that Jesus does throughout this discourse is not only does he set us up with this kind of upside down vision of the kingdom, but he finds his way through this teaching doubling down on certain values. And you probably have heard this passage of scripture before, but probably will see it in a new light once you start to understand this idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Toward the end of this teaching in chapter six. Oh, we love this verse. We love it. I'm gonna read this whole passage. Okay, we're gonna read a little bit of the Bible today. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink. Mm. Sounds like hunger and thirst to me. Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his or her life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't make clothes. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. First, the kingdom and his righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's right way of being and doing for they will certainly be satisfied. And Jesus doubles down in verse 33 of chapter six by saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, all of these things will be added to you. I know what your needs are. I know the concerns you carry. I am intimately acquainted with all of your needs and desires, I know where you are, I see you, but I am inviting you into something much deeper than what your immediate urgent feelings cry out for. Because those cravings, those appetites those things that pressure you to pursue perilous ends, they will never, ever, ever satisfy you. And what you will do is create a lifestyle of ungratefulness and disappointment. Because when you get the job, you're still gonna be miserable. Somebody's laughing because you know you got the job and you were still miserable. you're going to get that big house and you're still going to have a bad attitude. Your bank account will be filled to overflowing and you will be arguing every day with everybody around you. Your sneakers will be clean, but your soul will be soiled. And you're going to just be in this never-ending cycle. And Jesus is inviting us to lift our eyes and see something that we haven't seen before, something that the world cannot give us, something that the system cannot promise us, something that we fight and strive. He says, stop striving and look to me because if you orient your hunger and your thirst toward righteousness, I'm telling you, you will live a life of being satisfied. This is another story that just you know I'm just reminded of Jesus you know he's out in the uh, he's he's back out in the wilderness i don't know if you noticed this parallel but you know so the children of israel find themselves wandering through the wilderness and they 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 don't really know what they're doing and and uh, they're they're, they have a leader who's leading them through and then they get to this this mountain and from the mountain God starts to speak his his commands and his kingdom principles and we kind of see Jesus retracing some of these steps where he goes through the wilderness he's tempted with hunger and thirst he speaks to the enemy he flees he leads a people out to another mountain for this sermon where now he's speaking these same kingdom principles There's this is pattern that just keeps recurring over and over where God is trying to work with his people and trying to show them that there's something more to this world system. And now he finds himself in another situation out in the desert elements with another woman. And she's come out in the heat of the day for a number of reasons. Because she's been scandalized. And Jesus is having another conversation about hunger and thirst. He asked the woman for a drink, and what she wasn't understanding is that he was trying to give her a drink. As a matter of fact, he said, if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me for a drink, and I would fill you up to eternal life. Then, in the midst of the confusion and, and some drops of revelation, the disciples are now coming to Jesus and saying, "Hey, you, you gotta be hungry, you gotta be famished, you gotta—I mean, you, Master, you gotta eat something." And what's what's with this woman? You're not supposed to be out here having this conversation with her. Come 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 on, we'll get you something to eat. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says my food, my sustenance, what fills me up, what, what satisfies my hunger and my thirst. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So here's some questions. How have you defined satisfaction for yourself? How have you defined satisfaction for yourself? You don't have to answer right now. I want to leave these few questions with you just to, to pray through, to take home, to consider. How have you defined satisfaction for yourself? In what ways are you dissatisfied? and how do the words of Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount move you into a new posture of faith what would faith look like in these areas of dissatisfaction what if you tried just maybe what if you and I tried, just maybe To reach out for Jesus instead of reaching out for the things that we think will satisfy us. What if we slowed down to ask more questions about his right way of being and doing in the world as opposed to trying to figure it out on our own? What if in doing that we found that Jesus was inviting us into a life of the deepest satisfaction that we've ever known, an eternal satisfaction. The kind of satisfaction that when you show up on your job and you're passed up for the promotion, the person in the cubicle watching you go through that says, I I don't know, how did, that wasn't right. So-and-so wasn't supposed to get that, aren't you mad? Aren't you disgusted that so-and-so got that promotion? You've, You've got the tenure. You've got the skills. You've been here longer. But you're standing there with joy and peace overflowing with everything that God is doing in your soul. And you're able to look at that person and say, I'm still satisfied. We're gonna move to prayer. I'm ask the team to start getting in position. But I, you know, I was doing this independent study and um, just working working my way through Sermon on the Mountain, just, I got stuck here. Cause I just started to realize how many days I live dissatisfied. Oh man, how many days I grumble and complain. Oh. How many days I live in irritation and annoyance. Cause I just wish it would be better already. I should have that stuff by now. I've been working long enough. I do so much, I work so hard. Come on, God, just give me something to drink. He's so good, he keeps providing. He keeps showing himself faithful, but really what he's saying is, Justin, I'm going to take care of you, but I want you to be satisfied. I'm going to take care of you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you, and I never will. But I'm trying to invite you into a life of being satisfied. Would you come with me? (laughs) <laughs> Would you, that stuff, come on, it's not gonna do it. You think it is? It's just not. So I don't, I don't know where you are today. I mean, you know, I'm sure we all fall along a spectrum of how we've struggled with this, how we feel about it all. But this is just a time before the Lord to just take some inventory, to just ask some of those questions. How have you defined? Satisfaction for yourself. In what ways are you dissatisfied? And how can you make a move in faith toward what Jesus offers? He says, blessed, happy, rejoicing are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They will have fulfilled desires.